once the headache started, it never stopped. It just, it just got more intense. Like the pressure got more intense, but it just, on the onset of that headache, it never went away until, you know, until towards the end of, of my symptoms. And then the Sunday is when all hell broke loose. This is Irregular People. I'm your host, Calvin Marty. And as I record this, it is Monday, November 9th, 2020. There's a lot happening in America. We've all been focused on the election, rightly so. I'm going to refrain from recapping anything about that, except that, well, half of the country is relieved and elated, myself included, that the worst president in the history of our nation has been voted out. And while the lies continue and some portion of the country believes them, it's over. And it's time to remember some other battles we're fighting. At least half of us accept this dire fact. The current president failed to implement a cohesive strategy to battle the COVID-19 pandemic. And he spread lies and disinformation about it. This caused the failure of millions of Americans to take the necessary precautions to stop this virus. It also forced people and businesses to choose between economic survival and life-threatening risk. And so here we are, in a massive surge, with more cases than ever before. You've read the science, you've heard the news over and over again. It's still the same, it's still here, nothing has changed. Sometimes though, if you're lucky enough not to know anyone who's had COVID-19, the virus can seem far away. And apparently knowing the risks is not always enough. Even those of us who take the virus seriously and have been very cautious throughout are starting to relax, to take more risks. We're psychologically exhausted. We're lonely, we're craving human contact and, and normal social interactions. I get it. But I'm hoping that hearing from someone who contracted the virus and suffered greatly through the experience of it might make you think twice about taking an unnecessary risk. Today I'm joined by my friend, Pito Rodriguez. Pito is a very healthy, fit, 42-year-old man. He's usually very high energy. He's funny, he's funny, he has a great laugh. And you'll hear me laugh way more than usual uh, in this episode, despite the grave nature of its content. Pito has been very careful throughout the last eight months, but like many, he let his guard down. One time, maybe two. I want you to hear what it's like from someone who's gone through it. I mean, that's what this show's all about, after all. Sometimes the news and the stats and the science is just not enough, I guess. We need the human component. Well, here's a real human, my friend, who got it, who suffered, and was lucky enough to survive. So listen to what it was like for this young man, and maybe think again before taking that next risk. Here's my conversation with Pito Rodriguez. How are you doing today? Good. I actually just got home from getting tested. Well, you sound good. You sound more like yourself than the last couple times I've talked to you. Yeah, I feel, you know, I feel so much. I mean, it's easy to say you feel so much better when you go through it because that was hell. Um, but basically, I'm just dealing with residual fatigue. That's about it. I, uh, I have my energy in the morning to midday and then it just starts really winding down and, and I just get really lethargic and really tired and, you know, not, but that's just from the ass whooping I took, you know, from the beating my body took, um, yeah. being with heavy symptoms for, for what I consider to be a, a, a pretty long time. Cause you know, I had a fever for eight days straight. Wow. So just getting, just getting beaten for eight days. 
uh, bedridden, and I was bedridden longer. But as, but as far as the intense symptoms, um, it was an eight day beating. So yeah, my body's still kind of like recovering from the lack of nutrition and and because I wasn't really eating much um, and just the pounding. Wow. So, but that feels great. Like I will take this any day over what I had to endure for that week and a half and you know the the, reco- the starting to recover slowly after that so so yeah i feel a lot better I, you know i'm in high spirits i'm you know back to listening to music and feeling feeling good so yeah I so mean, yeah even just your text messages is uh they've been more like you yeah it was scary man i mean i i really regret not recording our our phone conversations because you know when you were in the middle of it because to me i mean it was scary you sounded like you were dying like it took so much energy for you to just say one word and that's exactly how i felt i mean i literally it i struggled to speak i did not want to do anything i couldn't do anything i was in so much pain I was on fire. I couldn't move. And it's just like every day something new, another symptom was added on. It's just like every day there was something different. You know, I've explained to people literally what it felt like was like I was lit on fire and beaten by 15 dudes from head to toe. Just a constant beating while I was lit on fire because I had a fever for eight days straight. It never broke. Oh it God. was just a constant fever and it literally felt like I was set on fire while I was getting beaten on. It was just like nothing I've ever experienced before. And I'm thankful I had pretty much every symptom in the book, except the most dangerous symptom, which was the breathing, the chest breathing issues. Mm. And I'm super thankful that I didn't have that because I don't know if I would have been able to fight that as well as every, everything else. I had gotten. Um, so again, wow. thankfully I didn't, I didn't have the extreme, which is why I stayed at home and, and, you know, fought it out as long as I could before finally I ended up having to go into the hospital because, you know, the doctor told me to go in. She wanted me to go in immediately right away. And I was, I just told her like, I can't today. <laughs> so I just don't have the energy. I can't, I just can't. Yeah. I was just like, but I, but tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll go in the morning when I have a little bit more, you know, when I'm able to at least get up out of bed. Peter took himself to the hospital the next day. By that time, he was over eight days into his symptoms. The doctors took all of his vitals, pumped him full of hydration via IV, and scanned his lungs. He was extremely dehydrated because he wasn't eating and had only been able to drink a, a little bit of water each day. The hydration helped. And because his lungs looked good, they thought he would continue to fight it on his own. And so they sent him back home, telling him to try to start eating. I asked Pito how he thought he contracted it. One of the good things is that I'm 90, you know, 95% certain who infected me. So it was easy for me to, to have an idea of the days yeah. of where I was at. And, and, and the reason being is because I don't see many people. I, I don't leave the house much. I've been... I've considered myself being fairly safe uh, with quarantine. Um, I have a rotation of four to five people 
that I see that, you know, have been safe four of them for sure. And so it was very easy for me to, to know where I got infected and how I got infected. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you started to maybe relax your caution a little bit? You know, I, I don't want to say I really, I didn't, I definitely didn't have COVID fatigue. Um, I've been, you know, I've definitely been, I've actually, as the summer has gone on, I've spent more and more time alone at home. Mm. Um, as opposed to the opposite where most people are, were, were loosening up more and more. Um, I think that I made a mistake with, uh, because I got infected by somebody in my building, mm. somebody who lives in my building. And I think I made a mistake because I, that person had been very, very safe throughout most of quarantine. And, you know, maybe they had experienced a little COVID fatigue that I wasn't aware of. Mm. And again, I made one mistake or maybe two, because I don't know exactly if it was on a Sunday or a Monday. Um, but on the Sunday I was with this individual and we were in an elevator, in the elevator together and we chatted for a while. And then on the Monday, which is where I believe the big mistake was, is I ran into this individual in the building again, uh, in the parking lot and we were chatting up for a bit and the conversation kept going and I had to go, I had to go to home Depot to get some, some items for, for, for the apartment. And I just told them, like, listen, if you want to continue the conversation, just hop in the car and let's go. And, you know, so again, were you guys, were you wearing masks in the elevator or, you know the, or the car in, in the elevator? Yes but not in the, in the car. That's where I, that was my mistake. You know, I just took, I just took for granted the fact that all summer, you know, I had been seeing this person out in the patio and, you know, in and around the building. Um, I just, again, it just took one slip up Mm. of just being like, yeah, just get in the car and, you know, we'll go and we'll continue the conversation because I have to go to, 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 to get this stuff at Home Depot and then coming back and we didn't have our masks in the car. Hmm. And were, were the windows open or closed? Uh, no, they were closed, basically. I mean, I had my like crack just a little bit, but it yeah, it was. I wasn't even. I didn't even crack the window, thinking that it's because this person was in my car. Oh, so again, it's just I I slipped up. I just slipped up. I got too comfortable yeah. with, with the fact that I had seen this person around the building mm-hmm. and they had been safe throughout much of the summer in quarantine. And, you know, it's one of like four people in the building that, you know, we had spent time outside throughout quarantine and we kind of had a little, a little pact within each other of like, Hey, if anybody's ever at the grocery store early and, you know, like send a text message mm-hmm. to our little group, and in case you need something, you don't have to go outside. And, you know, we were always kind of like we were trying to like look at, look after each other, so to yeah. speak, in, in easy ways because we were all, you know, living in the same building. Um, so, again, I just let my guard down one second and, they, and, and there it went, you know. Listen, I'm not trying to lecture here. I'm just trying to remind you that all it takes is one slip up. All it takes is letting your guard down one time in the wrong place with the wrong person, so to speak. That's it. And that's why I asked Peter to join me. 
The facts are still the facts. You can have it and not know it and give it to other people. You can have it and not know where you got it. And that's the case with this individual. They don't know where they got it. Right, so you can trust the people you trust, but if someone you trust makes one mistake and forgets to tell you about it, you don't have the luxury of taking any extra precautions or, or not seeing them. The point is, stay vigilant. What if they had worn masks in the car and rolled the windows down or not gotten into the car altogether? Again, I think it was easy for me because I was 95% certain where and who infected me. So I had a timeline and the timeline placed perfectly as far as when I started getting symptoms from the moment that I had contact with this individual. So it, it, I had a lot more peace of mind being more certain in that being the case, whereas this individual doesn't know. Right. That's scary. Where they got infected. And they had only been around three people when they did contracts, uh, when uh, they did their contact tracing. And those three individuals tested, but they ended up testing negative. Mm. But again, it could have been that they had already passed, passed it. Right. And that's the thing that I think people need to remind themselves of. Like, you, you can get tested and test negative, and the next day, you know, you're not getting tested and you could be shedding the virus. People are not paying attention to the fact that you can spread it and not know you have it. I mean, I know it it doesn't matter how many times people have said this on the news. It's hard to feel in a palpable way, but you you just have to assume that you might have it and that someone else might have it and you have to be as safe as possible. I agree. I agree. And I think to your point, the NFL, anyone who's following the NFL football, they've very much confirmed that, that that's the case. People have tested, they test every day and people test seven days straight negative. And then on the eighth day, they they test positive after they were exposed to someone and they test negative for, again, seven days straight. And on the eighth day, eighth day, they test positive after they had just played a game. Right, Exactly. It's so scary. And so so in your situation, you're in the car. That day happens. You don't get symptoms for what? Three days? So that day, the day in the car was the Monday. The okay. day in the elevator was Sunday. So it was one of those two days. I had seen this person back to back. And um, Tuesday, I get a text from the individual in the evening saying like, hey, I have a fever and I'm not feeling good and I don't get sick very often. So right away, I freak out. Yeah. You know, because I'm just like, you know, a fever. You hear fever, you're already like freaking out. So I'm like, okay, I'm screwed. There's no way. If this is that, there's no way I'm not having it because they were in my car. You know what I right. mean? And this I was, was I was in the elevator with them. Yeah, that was Tuesday evening, but I had seen them the Sunday in the elevator and the Monday in the right. car. All right. I'm, I'm saying those are the close quarters that, that I was in with this individual on the Sunday and the Monday. So what's scary is so, so then when did you, when did you get symptoms? So I started getting symptoms on the Thursday. Okay. So, so it would have been four days, but, but, but that was really light symptoms though, because I'm not even sure it was a symptom. So I got, went and got tested on the Wednesday and this individual went and got tested on the Wednesday too. Mm. On the Thursday, this individual already got their results and they were positive. I didn't get my results till the Friday. But again, I already know I'm popped. Right, right. So 
on a Thursday, I started feeling the, the eye warmth. And again, I don't know if it was mental hmm. because I knew that I was exposed and I was probably having it, but I definitely felt my eyes were warm. Mm. My, and I kept feeling like if you know, my eyes felt like when you lay in the beach and you close your eyes and you're relaxing and the sun is just hitting your body, is that nice warmth? That's how my eyes felt, except I wasn't under the sun. I took a break from symptoms for a moment to discuss this fact. If Pito had been in contact with anyone after he contracted it, but before the person got symptoms and called him, he would have given it to other people. Thankfully, I wasn't. Thankfully, he wasn't. And if the person had not contacted him at all, he wouldn't have suspected he had it for another four days. Four more days in which he might have given it to other people. And again, the person who gave it to Pito didn't know they had it and has no idea where they got it from. Who knows how many people they might have given it to if they weren't being safe? And apparently they weren't. It's scary, man. It's scary. And in an attempt to scare you, let's get back to his symptoms. It started with the eye warmth. I had it on Thursday. I had it Friday. And I had it Saturday during the day. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I'm going on like day six of the exposure. I was like, maybe I'll be a lucky one and I'll get really, this will be the extent of my symptoms. Mm. But Friday night, I got the headache. So Saturday, I have the warm eyes and the headache. And I'm just like, okay. And I don't get headaches. I don't get headaches very often. Um, so I was just like, okay, here's symptom number two. So Friday, I get the headache and the eat at night. And then Saturday, I got the full headache and the eyes are still warm. But I'm like, you know what, though? I can still deal with this. This is just, right. you know, I just got a headache. And what do you and mean by full headache? Like, how is how is that headache? Because as time went on, you you told me that it was really, really bad. Well, because full headache, meaning like it didn't go away. Now I have like all day I had the headache. Once the headache started, it never stopped. It just it just got more intense, like the pressure got more intense. But it just once I got well, on the onset of that headache, it never went away until, you know, until towards the end of, of my symptoms. And then the Sunday is when all hell broke loose. That's when the fever hit. That's when the body pain hit. And I, and I, I say hell because I don't think I can describe the heat. And just when I'm telling you, I felt like I was lit on fire and beaten from head to toe by 15 people. And I went through that for eight days. It's because literally all I could feel was heat. I was burning up. I, I, that Sunday I was at 102.8. And then throughout the night I was check. And it was in the 104s. And I was like, man, this thermometer sucks. This oh can't be. God. You know what I mean? And then it would be in the 103s. And then I'd go back to in the 102s. And then in the morning, it's, I felt like, okay, maybe my, my, you know, my fever broke, but I'd be in the high 101s and because I didn't feel as hot, you know what I mean? And, but now that, you know, once I went to the hospital and I told them and they were like, well, why wouldn't you believe that you were in the 104s? I was like, because that sounds ridiculous. That is you know what really, I, really bad. I was just like, I just thought my, there's no way my, cause my thermometer was kind of you know, one of those head thermometers, it wouldn't give me the exact same reading every 12 seconds. Hmm. It'd be off by, you know, 
a couple of decimal points. So I was just like, yeah, okay, well, this is this thing is just, you know, it's just not accurate. So I just stuck to the one, 102.8, <laughs> which was the first big fever. I was like, that sounds accurate. You know what oh I'm saying? Oh, my God. So, so you're <laughs> literally trying to convince yourself that the one of the thing you're experiencing is not that bad. Yeah, I'm just just like, you know what? It's 102.8. That's that sounds reasonable. I'm going with that one. <laughs> that's oh that's the number that sounds right. <laughs> so. Okay, well, this is I would just like to say here. <laughs> this is a and I know you. You are a smart, reasonable person. You pay attention to the news, you read the science, but you are a human being and you are in the midst of hell as you put it, and you are literally telling yourself that what you are seeing this machine tell you cannot be true. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> and this is a thing. I just want people to remember that somehow we as humans have this innate ability to convince ourselves that something that is actually happening is not happening. That something that is true just can't be. Which is why I asked you to be on because I just want someone who's gone through it to be like, guys... This shit is real. <laughs> it's real, man, and it's real. And I laugh about it now. Thank you. Sure. Because I thought you now, were gonna I'm die, okay. well, dude. And honestly, like, I, I, I was just praying that I didn't get the chest, the breathing problems. Um, I really was. I was just like, universe, please, please spare me from that. You know, because I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll be able to handle all, all of this and that. So t- um, t- but yeah, it's funny because, you know, in hindsight, I'm thinking of what an idiot I am that I saw the readings in the 104s and I'm just like, yeah, that's bullshit. And then, you know, like the high 103s. And I was like, yeah, this, this freaking thermometer sucks. You know what I mean? I need a new, I need a new thermometer. <laughs> and yeah, he can laugh about it now. But when I talked to him on the phone, when he was at his worst, he was scared. I could hear it in his voice, and I was too. Scared that he might not make it. He sounded like he was dying. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm you know, I'm not gonna lie, I was scared. You know, at first I'm just like, you know what? I consider myself a healthy man, I consider myself a strong man, I take care of myself outside of the alcohol, and even with the alcohol intake, I go through my periods where I really cut it down. Mm. You know, and um, I take a bunch of vitamins and supplements, and I've been doing that for years. So I'm just like, you know, my body is prepared to be as strong as possible right. to handle this. I mean, you are, you're 42 and, you know, people listening can't see you, but you are ripped. You are working out. You had been working out five to six days a week for, for months during quarantine. Five days starting in June in the summer. I said, and, you know, not working out like gym, but I'm talking about like running, uh, doing sprints, doing, you know, adding push-ups and sit-ups and, yeah. you know, like, in, 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 yeah, so I was doing that. You're a healthy guy. You had a friggin' eight-pack or something when I saw a picture of you. No, I mean, I wish it was an eight-pack. Well, Let's just say I had a four-pack. It was a four-pack. Whatever. You look ripped. <laughs> you know, you, you, you eat well. It's not like you're eating fast food every day. Like, you're a healthy, middle-aged man. Wait, wait. The hospital doctor told me I was young. Okay, good. Yeah, because listen, I'm 38. I don't want to be middle-aged either. <laughs> you are a healthy, young, fit man. Uh, I think that's when I started feeling better. I think that's when the symptoms started going away. But she was like, you know what? Your body is strong. It's still fighting strong. 
and you're a young you're a young man uh we feel like it's just a matter of time before you break this all your tests are coming back great everything is great and i was just like you still consider me young and she looked at me and she was like of course i was like yes <laughs> oh my god i was that's... just like i think i'm young but everybody else thinks you know once you're in your 40s you're an old ass man you know what i mean I do. so man I, do. I wanted i wanted to kiss her if i could i want to kiss her and be like you know what i like you i See, am what... young i i know i'm young i've been saying i'm young <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't do something stupid, wrong, offensive, and dangerous and try to kiss the nurse, but I think he was just trying to make a point there. Anyway, Vito didn't sleep for over four days while he was sick. I couldn't sleep because you just can't. You're on fire. You can't position your body in any... Co- you know you know the body pains they talk about? You know, when you get the flu, you get those little back pains, like the pins, that pin feeling mm. in your back. This is like times 20. This is like, they're not pins. You feel like you're being punched. I'm telling you, I cannot, that's the way in my mind I can describe this. I was lit on fire and beaten by 15 people from head to toe nonstop. It just never ended. And at night it was horrible because you're so exhausted. You're so hot. You feel just, you're beaten and you can't, do anything to get comfortable to even sleep because you can't get comfortable because every position hurts and you're trying to find that you're, you're, you're hoping that if I can just find the right position where I can have less pressure, I can maybe be able to get some rest and you never find that position. It's just, it was, it was brutal. This was going on day after day after day after day. And you wake up in the morning, you feel like a, like an old, like you're an old man in a wheelchair trying just to get to the bathroom, which is 10 feet away. You come back right to the bed because you can't do anything else. It takes forever just to get to the bathroom and back. Listen, I was bedridden for so long that these last, this last week that I've been cleared, uh, you know, I've, I've cleared all the hospital protocols and, you know, no, I'm symptom free. I'm just, de- you know, again, dealing with just the residual, residual fatigue. I was bedridden for so long that I developed soreness in my groin area where even after I've been fine, I couldn't walk for a few days because from being bedridden in the angle that I was bedridden, apparently I, I strained my my groin area um so it's just it 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 was just such a beating man it was it was and it just you know you're sitting there or you're laying there and you're just thinking like will this ever end like i'm on day six will it ever end i'm on day seven will it ever end i'm on day eight like the fever has not broke it's just constant fever yeah i remember you saying to me that you felt like what what if this just doesn't end? Yeah, that's it because it, I mean when you're going. Listen, you have a fear for two three days, which is a bad flu, right? Mm-hmm. And and on the fourth day, the fever breaks, or you don't get it all day. Maybe you just get it for a small amount of time in the evening, and then the fifth day, you start feeling. No, no, this was, and that's a bad bad flu, right? This was just never ending. You're on day eight. You're just like. A week and a half almost of, of fever 
Oh. And like, is this really ever going to end? Am I going to be one of those people that have symptoms for over a month and they, and then they just continue having symptoms after that? Because, you know, this attacks everyone differently. Yeah. It, it, it really attacks everyone differently. It, it attacks your weaknesses. It, I even was starting to get vertigo attacks. Oh my God. I, it was trying, it was trying to attack my vertigo. You know, because yeah, I mean, as, as you know, I do suffer from that occasionally. Uh, I get vertigo spells and I know how to handle it. Um, and every, you know, six to seven years, I get really, really bad, like really, really bad attacks where it's debilitating for, for a few days. Yeah. Um, it was trying to, it was trying to attack that. There were a couple of times where I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. I am not going to get one of these now, you know. And, you know, I right away did, you know, the maneuvers that I've learned to do to kind of, you know, I know the positioning of my head, what trig- what it, what I'm more susceptible to triggering it um, than other positions. And right away, I just kind of like maneuvered my head and laid down in a certain way so that it would calm it down. And it did. So it never, it never triggered the full vertigo attack but it was trying to it was just i'm telling you my my obviously i lost you know my my sense of smell and my sense of taste for a week i even had purple finger the fingernails really like yes it was weird and and again this is this is like in phases like every day something new would come up every day another symptom and sometimes it would take me a few days to realize it um i didn't realize i had lost my sense of smell and taste for like two, three days. Well, you because really... all I was doing was, yeah, I wasn't eating. Right. It was water and 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 uh, broth, and all the broth was tasting the same. And I was like, man, that's some bland ass broth. But I was just thought, I was just thinking, well, it's just bland ass broth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I had people dropping it off from the building. I had people helping out and just putting broth at my front door. And I was just uh, like, man, it's just bland. But people, <laughs> people over here need some salt. <laughs> it's killing me like you said like man this thermometer sucks and then it's like man this broth sucks like, this broth is horrible these people suck at making broth thanks, Dude, thanks I- for dropping off this shitty broth <laughs> ah that laugh I love Pito's laugh when he gets going and I'm glad that laugh is still part of this world and part of my life Pito got lucky he survived he didn't get the lung issues not everyone is so lucky I'm glad, you know, if, if this helps anyone like reinforce, you know, safety protocols and COVID protocols and just to not take things lightly and, uh, and, and, you know, continue being safe, then it's worth it because I'm telling you, I wouldn't wish what I went through on anyone. And even with the beating that I took, there are people who had it 50 times worse. Yeah, oh yeah. And I can only imagine. And then I start thinking like, oh my God an elderly person who just doesn't jump. They don't just jump right back into health as quickly for them to go through this. Like, I just can't imagine the pain because if I feel this pain, imagine the pain that they would feel because their body just doesn't bounce back as quickly. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it just starts, it's just starts making you think like, man, you just, I just don't want anybody, anybody to feel this and to, to go through it again with me. There were only four people I had been around in 14 days prior to me knowing that I was possibly infected. Mm. It was very simple, very easy for me to con- to contact trace. Within those four, one person had just started going back to work and had been 
around a hundred people. Oh my God. Like hundreds of people. And one of those people were going to open up a bar, have 50 people in the bar. Oh my now God. again, nine, I was 95% certain that it was nothing to do with them that I knew who had infected me. However, if you're going through correct protocols, you're supposed to go 14 days back and contact trace right? and have, and have those people quarantine for 14 days from the last time they saw you. Right. You know, that's the correctly, that's the way to do it correctly. So we actually get this under control. Right. And there's just no reason. But even those people were like, I can't like contact trace. I, it's too many people. No. And like, I can't like not open this bar. Like I'll get fired. Like it's, it, there's, it just starts it, it, the layers to this man. Like how far this can go. It just shows why we as a country are the worst at handling this. And it's also exposed us as a country, you know, it exposed our weaknesses It's exposed everything, yeah. what we are, how we handle life as a country. And I'm telling you, and listen, I get the person who was just like, dude, I have to open this bar because I won't have a job. Right. And that's not that person's fault. That's the fault of the, the, the leaders of the country not shutting it down like other countries did. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, but what, you know, that's the price of freedom, right? Over here, everyone has their, I'm just saying the mentality here doesn't allow that because the mentality here is that I have freedom. You know, I don't have to do this. And also, we're so dependent on money. Right. I know. You know, well, we, we, don't, yeah, we, we don't have this. We live to work basically instead of work to live like they do in other countries. Um, like they do in other countries. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, where they do value, you know, more of a life balance. Um, and it's not so driven by money. What's, I, what's, um, what's ironic and sad to me is that, you know, this, this obsession with freedom that we have and you can't tell me to not leave my house and blah, 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 blah. And I got to wear a mask and I'm not wearing a mask. The, the cost of that freedom is less freedom. <laughs> Our lives are not even close to normal. You know, we, many of us can't get a job or you, you know, you're going to lose your house and people are dying. And like, how is that good freedom? Yeah, man. It's crazy. Again, there's so many layers to this and, 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 uh, you know, it's just when you go through it and again, I was easy. I have four people. That's it for my contract tracing Four yeah. people within the two weeks. I was super simple. And even that extended into hundreds of people. One contact could affect hundreds of people. Even if the average is that an infected person infects one to three people, each of those people infect one to three people. And I mean, look, you get it. You understand we're in the midst of a massive surge. Don't let your guard down. Don't expand your circle. Stay strong. We're going to get through this. You have a pod? Okay. Everyone in that pod has to do the same things. And the second you extend that circle to someone whose actions you cannot be absolutely sure of, your pod is no longer a pod. Yeah, you just your circle has to get tighter, and 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 even then, you know, I think about even it. Then. I think I think I'm more paranoid now that I had it. I'm sure. Than before, 
and you know you have the people out there well now you probably have antibodies and you should be good for a while and it's just like well we don't know yeah and am i one of, am i am again. i one of those exactly am i going to be one of those cases that get reinfected like we don't know like we just don't know like it's we don't even have a year's worth of study on this right how the hell are we supposed to know anything you know i've been getting tested since june once a month just for peace of mind and also more importantly because of my daughter i just i i i, I you know it's just out of precaution because i i I don't know if I'd be able to live with, my, with myself if I were to have infected her, you know what I mean? Or anyone in, in her household. When was the last time you saw your daughter? Man, dude, I am so thankful. So the week that I got infected, that Sunday, something had told me, don't go see my daughter. Really? I had an intuition. I had a feeling, just it's not smart. Now, may, maybe the feeling was because I had been, um, the week prior, I had gone up to Michigan to a cabin. Pito went to a friend's cabin in Michigan, the two of them, for a couple days. This was before he had contact with the person who infected him. I had just gotten back from there. And I don't know if it was because of that that I was just like, well, let me get tested first yeah. before I see my daughter. Or if it was because I actually sensed that something had already been wrong because I was in the elevator with this with, with uh, my neighbor. Hmm. But something told me that Sunday, don't don't go. Wow. And I called, and I talked to her mother, and I was like, "Hey, something's telling me not to go because uh, I usually go over there on Sundays." And and what we've been doing during quarantine is is in the patio. They have a patio area, mm-hmm. a deck. And, you know, I just go for, for a few hours and I just hang out with her and, you know, we talk outside and we hang out socially distanced. And the reason why we've been really careful with my daughter is because she has always been susceptible to upper respiratory diseases since she was a baby. Oh, wow. So it's just, again, better to be safe than sorry to the point where I even haven't dragged my daughter with me out of her house and to mine. I, she has not been to my apartment. I have not had her since quarantine. Wow. And... Again, it's because of the better safe than sorry mentality. So, yeah, that day I didn't go. Two days later, I get the text from my neighbor that, you know, they have a fever and whatnot. And it's just like, wow, like something just something just told me, you know, I just felt it. So I'm really thankful uh, that I wasn't that I didn't expose them. Mm. God, yeah. Yeah. Did you talk to your daughter during your experience with it yeah they facetimed her actually you know her mother would check up and facetime me i guess she was she didn't think i was going to get any symptoms she was like you're not you're probably not going to get any heavy symptoms you know because you know she knows you know that outside of alcohol i live a fairly healthy healthy life yeah um and she was just like yeah you're probably going to be you'll probably be fine and then when the symptoms started coming and you know she'd check up like oh you you know you you doing all right and then when I got worse and worse and worse, then those became FaceTime calls mm. in the morning. Like, hey, you doing cool? You doing all right? You know, and then, you know, my daughter, I'd see my daughter through FaceTime and whatnot. But um, I think, you know, I had lost weight. I had lost so much weight. Obviously, you're not eating. You're just drinking water and, and bland ass broth. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was, uh, you know, 
they had said that I didn't notice that I was getting really like I had been losing weight and my face especially like my cheekbones were starting to come out you know like show and and things like that and so so yeah so they checked up and uh and I would see my daughter do that but I didn't see my daughter up until this week I just saw her two days ago and we again went to the patio distance you know I haven't been able to hug my daughter since pre-covid like give her the squeezes and the kisses Um, and it sucks it really sucks it's been so long it's been so long man dude i haven't had a hug since pre-covid man it's killing me it's killing me man and you know you know how i like to squeeze i do i miss your hugs man Man, i even miss i I even kind of miss the punches (laughs) <laughs> punch me really hard and I'd get really pissed off and tell you that I only like the soft touch. I even miss those. But man, I mean, so if if we could all just take it seriously and just stay as locked down as we can, then maybe we could hug our family again. I mean, you are already being very cautious um, except for one, you know, one, one or two slip-ups, but do you feel like your behavior has changed um, I mean, you said you, that your mindset and kind of your paranoia or fear has has increased, but has your behavior changed at all since in any way? I mean, I haven't. Again, I'm just I'm barely removed from. It's only been a few. It's only been a week. Yeah. Uh, since, you know, I've been multiple days of symptom free and and this week I cleared the hospital protocols. Cause even the hospital told me, um, cause when I asked them, okay, once I get released now, what, like, what's my quarantine now? Like how, how do I handle my situation mm-hmm. now that, you know, because I've had all these symptoms and they were just like, even they told me like, there's no need to get tested because it's still inaccurate in a way, you know, it's not fully accurate is that you just have to follow these protocols. And if you follow these and once you clear these, then you'll find, then you're fine. Hmm. And, um, and the protocols were, um, you have to be 10 days from the onset of symptoms with multiple days of being symptom free along with at least three days of being fever free, three consecutive days of being fever free along with 10 days from the onset of symptoms with consecutive days of being symptom free. Hmm. They're like, if you, once you clear both of those at the same time, you know, whichever one is longer, once you clear both of those, then you are okay to be out of quarantine. So I was like, okay, cool. So, I mean, I, I'm way past that. I'm, I'm double that point at okay. this point. So Pito went and got tested again over a week after he was done, had no symptoms. His test came back positive. Is he still contagious? We don't know. We still don't know so much. As we wound down and started just catching up about other things, Pito and I found ourselves talking about soccer. He'd been getting more into the sport, and we talked about the World Cup, which is really mostly when I watch soccer, if I'm honest. Everyone does, though, right? Because that's different. People are playing for their country, and it's always... It's like the Olympics, right? there's, There's something that draws you to people playing for their country instead of for money. You're rooting with a sense of pride as well. So well, it's, it's just different, right? Let's all root for our country 
by being safe. By being safe. There you Let's go. That's a perfect segue. Get some pride <laughs> in our country and come together. In this COVID World Cup. Yeah, the COVID World Cup. And let's try not to keep losing. Yeah, I'm with it, Papa. I'm um, with it. Thank you so much for talking. And um, I mean, Of course, of course. You know what? If mm. everyone had blaring the ass broad, maybe this be gone already, man. <laughs> I I'll agree. tell you, we, we might be done with this damn freaking virus. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, do you... Uh, a bland ass prof, so good. Do you have anything else you want to say to them? I, mean, I think you've already said it, but any uh, last words for... No, nah, Bobby, I'm good. You know, if you All give right. me an opening, man, I stay talking. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cut it. All right. Well, I love you, man. Thank you so much, and I'm, I, I can't really express how grateful I am that you made it through. No, oh, Bobby, thank you, man. I love you too. And uh, yeah, I just, hey, if this helps anybody, think twice and be like, you know what, I'll be able, to, I'll take the safer route. Then you know that's good enough. Because again, nobody want, I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through so yeah so yeah and I'll be thinking about your family too I hope your parents stay stay safe I hope so I hope so man this whole thing is just crazy but uh, I really I really hope so alright papa well this was awesome it's always awesome yeah papi be safe and we'll talk soon alright alright you too alright papi bye alright bye Irregular People is a production of Once Upon a Wessler I'm Calvin Marty, your host, producer, engineer, editor, and music composer. Feel free to contact me with questions or comments at listen at irregularpeople.show. If you want to support the podcast, please consider giving it a positive review and rating on Apple Podcasts. And even more importantly, share it with your friends and family. Give them a call, text them, share on social media, whatever you can do in that way. And check out the website, irregularpeople.show. And be safe out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Keep listening. Do you have a favorite color? Blue. Blue. Poseidon, Poppy. Poseidon. <laughs> you forgot about Poseidon? <laughs> oh, man. Actually, I did forget about Poseidon. Was that the, you, what you named the cup? Yeah, I named the cup from your wedding. The wedding. Oh. <laughs> What's um why what so blue because of Poseidon? Why Poseidon? The sea, blue, just yeah. water. Um I'm you know, I love I love ocean, uh lake. I just love blue. Blue just um I don't know, it's calming. Yeah. It's uh it makes me I mean I joke with my daughter that we're 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 children of Poseidon, you know, because she likes being in the water too. So I was like, you know, we're 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 children of Poseidon, you know. Because she knows Greek mythology, Uh, I've sent her books and she's she's read all of them. Um, So, you know, I'm from Puerto Rico. I guess it makes sense. Although not everybody there likes the beach and and the water, but I I do. I uh, blue blues my jam, man, and it's also my daughter's favorite color. I love it. So yeah, blue, Papa, blue, blue.